0: Good morning, Riverside. Thank you so much for this amazing invitation to worship with you and bring a word from God to you, whether you're watching online or listening online or here in the sanctuary. I thought there'd just be a few people so I'm excited to see people that I know and new friends that I'm meeting. I listened to Bill Hoff's sermon from last week. I thought it was awesome. I didn't bring any jokes. I love the jokes that he told. I don't tell jokes well anyway. Um, my name is Sandra Hedrick. I'm a Jacksonville native. I grew up in San Marco and went to South Jacksonville Presbyterian Church when I got buried to my wonderful husband, Chuck, whom I met in law school, but I did come here to worship sometimes, and, of course, knew of the wonderful school and um, the ministry and mission that this church has. I'm going to be reading first from Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 7a, and then from a passage from Ephesians. So listen to the word of the Lord uh, that the Spirit wants to bring to us this morning from Isaiah. Say to those who are of a fearful heart. Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. Our second reading is from Ephesians. It's from chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, this will not be a typical sermon, not even one for me. It's more like a testimony, and it's a story of God's grace in a new season of life. And the story begins with a paper calendar, almost a year ago. Now, I've saved all my paper calendars since I got married and started working in the law in 1979, and they're in a big stack um, in a bookcase at home. Last time I had the honor of preaching here, it was about six years ago, I shared about how in 2006 the Lord called me away from the law, it was one of those calls Emily was talking about, indeed it was, and to go to seminary to become a pastor. And I gave my testimony that day that I was here about how completely unsettling that was, how hard a time I had with giving up an identity that I had for 27 years, it was just weird and unpleasant until the Holy Spirit showed me what Emily said so well today, that our shared identity is discipleship of whatever God's calling us to is our vocation, and we share that identity, that discipleship in Christ. So this transition to pastor led me to using a different kind of calendar, because when you're a lawyer, it's there's a lot of stuff written on a day. Um, when you're a pastor, it's not quite that complicated in that way. This one is published by the Presbyterian Church and I actually brought one from before. Some of you probably have one. If you have one, raise your hand. If you've ever had one of these, maybe you're a church worker or pastor. And it includes information about, thank you for being honest, Um, (laughs) it includes information about, oops, that's just the calendar for the next year. Um, This is what it looks like with my scribbles in it. And it has the scriptures for the week and the month and church holidays and things like that. So I loved that calendar for about 10 years, including uh, cross-referencing it with my Google calendar, which I always keep. And like a schoolgirl with her treasured supplies, I look forward to the next year when you get the next calendar. And by the way, I always write in pencil. And I always use my eraser a lot because things change. And when the 2021 calendar came, it arrived in the mail, I was very excited, I opened it up and I began to write some things I already knew about the next year and I found that the paper was different. It was glossy like a photograph paper and a pencil wouldn't work. My life was just, I don't know, ruined is too strong a term. The writing was too light, it smeared when you erased it, it was impossible, I was sad, I was kind of mad, I was not the only one I found out. So I used some crowdsourcing on social media to find an alternative. It's hard to change calendars and I chose a calendar called a planner from a small company called Sacred Ordinary Days. This is that calendar, I brought it with me. Chuck, don't let me leave these here, I'll be lost. Look at how pretty it is. This calendar is also faith-based. It's ecumenical. It also has scriptures, um, the lectionary scriptures. It's by lectionary year. It's hardbound. It starts in Advent. What a great time to start your calendar. And um, unlike other calendars, though, or any other one I've ever had, it has two pages at the end of each week where you write down how things went spiritually, physically, in your home, with your relationships, like honestly, doesn't have too much space, but each category, and then um, a a reset of how you'd like to reset or renew or restart for the next week. And you're supposed to be honest and thinking about how God is involved in all of that, how God's leading you or inspiring you. So at first, I didn't even use that part of the calendar. That seemed a little mushy for me, a little too, I don't know, honest maybe, but then as 2021 unfolded and I thought things were going to get a lot better and be completely normal and different, but they weren't, I decided to try using those parts of the calendar. In the spring of 2021, I'd been the pastor at Kirkwood Presbyterian Church, Bill Hoff's prior church, for a little over five years And also, I was in the ninth year of serving as stated clerk of the presbytery. Um, That job has a weird name, stated clerk. Stated means you're the one, you're the elected one. clerk means you're like a session clerk, or you keep records and processes. But mainly, I help churches and church workers and leaders with every sort of any kind of problem under the sun. So that's what I had been doing, and I'd been more faithful with these two pages of honesty and reset, and I noticed that the truth was that I was working all the time, that I was working during the week as a clerk and during the weekend as a pastor, and on Saturday I was thinking about my sermon, and on Sunday afternoon I was doing my to-do list for Monday. I was noticing I wasn't paying attention to most enjoyable activities I liked, I wasn't paying attention to my four grandchildren too much, and I began to hear God's call in these pages in this work to the most significant change of course since leaving law maybe more significant my husband Chuck has been retired for more than two years and it became clear that it was time to semi retire you know there's no such thing right there's no such thing as retirement either but I decided that God was calling me to leave Kirkwood and the people of Kirkwood and to make space for other people and other adventures and other things god was calling me to Um, i have a sister i have four grandchildren and two children and daughters-in-law and friends and i needed the energy for that the separation from kirkwood was very hard i know bill's probably feeling really weird today as he gets up on sunday and doesn't come and be with the people that he loves it was really hard i got i felt chaotic Uh, My last day was May 2nd, and I thought I'd be sleeping better by May 3rd. Like Monday, I'd be sleeping better, everything would be much better, I'd be calm, but that was not the case. I still couldn't sleep as well at night as I thought I should. I still worried about work, planned work, fretted about things. And I was very tempted, and I am guilty of letting the Presbytery work take up more time than it should. Then I began to notice email promotions from the company that publishes this planner about a course that they were offering called Creating a Rule of Life. And that was, that's the title of the sermon today. And this is what I want to share about in the last few minutes. The subtitle of the course, which they've offered twice this year and have one more coming up in a couple weeks, is Embodying Faithful Wholeness in Every Season. And the Holy Spirit said, just register for that. I said, Chuck, can I register for that? And he kind of looked over at me and said, whatever. So I registered. And so what is a rule of life? And the idea of a rule of life comes from more than 1,000 years ago, back to the 6th century, where St. Benedict created this rule, this rule to um, be the pattern of life for the monastery that he led And later it became the pattern for many places people lived in Christian community up to today. And a rule of life helps a Christian orient his or her life towards God. The Course Materials define it this way. A rule of life is a way to put our whole lives from our work and relationships to our food and clothing in heavenly order. So the eight lessons, it was eight weeks focusing on topics like prayer, hospitality, listening, and so forth, was again making us be honest about our patterns and commitments. God was reshaping these 50 or so students, and we had small cohort groups, small little groups of about five or six we met with, and this is all by Zoom, by the way, and it had people from all over the world. The five people in my group I found none of them were pastors. In fact, most of the people taking this course were not ministers, and that was a delight. The third week, we had the most difficult assignment. It was to choose one passage, one scripture, one set of verses that was going to be the theme for the rule of life in this season. Like, my season is semi-retirement, right? Spend more time with family and doing things that God's calling me to do now. So I thought and prayed about it and went back and forth and settled on the Ephesians passage we read today as the theme. It's one of my favorites. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your doing. It's the gift of God, not through works, so that no one can boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand to be our way of life. When we shared our passages on Zoom, I felt a little funny because the best one was, Be Still and Know I Am God. And I thought, gosh, if I'd picked that one, it'd be so much easier to say at night when I wake up. So in this very last part of my story, I want to share how this passage is already shaping up uh, a rule of life and a new pattern for me. And I hope you'll find some good news in this for yourself. First of all, God's word in this passage is an anchor for all of us. It shapes our identity. It tells us who God is and who we are. We have been saved and we are being saved. We are delivered, we are rescued. We're rescued from anything that could hurt us. Can you think of something that you've been worrying about that could hurt you or that could hurt someone you love? We have been rescued, we have been delivered. Salvation is multidimensional. We're saved with eternal life. We're saved from being alone or misunderstood, for we belong to God, and that's unconditional. As an example of this idea, one night when I should have been sleeping, don't get the idea I don't sleep any night because it's really every two or three that I have a little trouble. I was worrying about a difficult problem in our presbytery life involving conflicts in a church, not this church, another church, That seemed unsolvable. Just the people just seemed like they would never stop being in conflict. And I started thinking about that and how that might be solved. And I started saying to myself, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And suddenly I realized that God had already saved that church or delivered that church or solved that problem. Just like God may have already solved the problem you've been fretting over probably has, and that I should pray and listen so I would know how to be part of that solution, how God was calling me to be involved with that. In our passage from Isaiah today, salvation is described in many compelling ways, like tongues that were stopped and now sing, a person who can't walk and now leaps, eyes that can see, ears that can listen. Second, God's words of salvation, deliverance, and rescue are a gift that we can't control, stop, start, or do anything to earn. So I grew up Lutheran. I knew this from being a baby, and I was so glad when the Presbyterian church also relied on grace alone. So in my pattern for life, my rule of life, I am trying to omit any thinking that I do any activity to earn God's love or anyone else's love, or anyone else's pleasure. I try to resist agendas I'm trying of people who don't have God's heart in mind when they want me to do something or participate in something. And third, it's intriguing to hear God's word that we're created in Christ Jesus for works and a way of life that God has prepared beforehand. So think about that. You have been born and come into this life and been saved for something God's planned beforehand to be your way of life. And so I've been wondering um, about how we can use that phrase as a question. It goes like this. Does this, fill in the blank, seem like something God would have planned beforehand to be my way of life? So... It can apply to big decisions. Does this new call seem to be something God prepared beforehand to be my way of life? Does this move to another house? Does this person that I am thinking of marrying or spending time with, does this preaching invitation seem to be something God planned beforehand, or should I leave some Sundays available for family, for activities, for travel? I've noticed in reflecting on this question, I've already started to make some changes on how I think about things. The greatest example is a revival of praying first thing in the morning and reading scripture rather than a habit I got into the last few years, which was get up, read email, respond, and do a quick work project. How crazy is that? But it has a short-term sense of accomplishment This set-aside time has been so nourishing. It's really changed my days, my weeks, my attitude. And the second example I wanna give, the last one today, is paying more attention to mind, body, and spirit. I know that doctors tell us to do that, but God says that too. During the shutdown in 2020, Chuck and I developed a walk we would do for two miles every morning, and we've continued that. I'm scheduling doctor and dentist appointments on time instead of saying, oh, after that Presbytery meeting, oh, after that, after that, I'll, you know, and then you're back at the dentist two years later. I'm eagerly spending more time outdoors and I'm taking baby steps to schedule time with family and friends. And I had a grandchild sleepover recently, which was very chaotic, but fun. So with this scripture, Does this, fill in the blank, seem like something God prepared beforehand to be my way of life? I'm about to write down this rule of life. The course is over, we're all working on them, presumably. And I have three, four sections, headings, and their gratitude, I'm gonna write under that, things like prayer and so forth, relationships, learning, and rest. So I'm looking forward to putting in order this rule of order before the next calendar comes out. I'm going to order the green cover, so when I have a stack of these, I can tell the difference in the different years. And I don't plan to change my lifetime of writing in pencil, not so I can change those dentist appointments, because I'm gonna keep those, but because as you and I both know, God might spring a water in the desert and I would have to change my plan and go out and see the water. So I thank you for the opportunity to be with you today here. I hope that something I have said has triggered something for you, of some fullness of life that God wants you to consider and enjoy and pursue in your season of life. Thanks be to God. To God be the glory. Amen.